Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys, sponsored by Checker. Background screens for your faith or volunteer organization. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization. Our mission is to inspire, influence, and impact church safety and security teams. We are protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We are about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations with your hosts, James McGarvey, Paul Buckner, and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on social media, YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, and on the all-new Church Security app. Well, welcome to the Church Safety and Security broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. I am James, and I am joined this fine day by my co-hosts, Paul and Mike. How are you guys doing? Good, sir. Gents? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. <laughs> so we've all we've all had a busy week, but we've got a great episode tonight, and certainly certainly worth uh, worth sharing with you all. And so uh, we'll get started with that in a second. But uh, just wanted to mention uh, for those of you that have joined us, and this is your first time, or uh, maybe you haven't listened in a long time. Uh, you can always reach out to us at churchsafetyguys.com. We have some great resources on our website. And uh, we also have the Church Security app, which is the, the first uh, church security app in the industry that's available on Google or uh, Apple iOS. And uh, there's also some great resources on there as well. So uh, feel free to uh, take a few moments and uh, download that and access that. Uh, there's a lot of great resources for your team. And uh, also, if you missed a past episode or are interested in, in maybe a topic that uh, we've talked about in the past, you can always go to our YouTube channel mm-hmm. and uh, look up a... Uh, actually, if you go to our channel, you can click on the spyglass and it'll help you find a topic. And uh, and we try and categorize everything so you can go at a later time and and share with your team and uh, and be able to to listen to that but so for tonight we're going to talk about uh the inspire influence and impact with your team and and uh we'll jump right into it but i think that um one of the one of the stories i wanted to share real quick and i i I heard this story a long time ago and i actually forgot about it and so uh i wanted to bring it back up because it really impacted me. Uh, it impacted me growing up. And then it also, um, kind of when I started thinking about it, I'm like, you know what, this really goes in line with what we wanted to talk about tonight. So our story tonight, our broadcast today goes back to 1909. (laughs) So we're going to take a, we're going to take a quick Paul Harvey back in the, (laughs) in the rest of the story. So, for those of you that don't know, and I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of the guy by the name of Julian Stanley Wise. Have you ever heard that name before? That seems familiar. Mike? <laughs> Possibly. Not 100%. Okay, Google. Okay, so not Googling. Do not Google this because I want to tell you the story. And if you Google it, you'll see him. So Julian Wise was born in Virginia, Roanoke, Virginia in 1900. Okay, in 1909, when he was nine years old, he actually witnessed a boat capsize on the river in Roanoke. And when the boat capsized, everybody stood on the uh, the bank and watched these two men drown. Mm. No one had any equipment. No one had any way of rescuing these two men out of this current and out of the river. And so here he is, nine years old, in Roanoke, Virginia, and he saw this whole thing happen. And it had a massive impact on his life. Why is that important? Like, who's who's Julian Wise? So 1928, how many years later, 19, 19 years later, he actually started with Norfolk and Western Rail, 
railway, he actually started the first rescue squad in the United States. And he's credited for that because when he was nine years old, he went and he happened to be by the river and saw these guys drown. And that stayed with him the rest of his life. So in 1928 with the railroad, he actually put together a team of nine coworkers and said, we're going to respond to everything that happens in Roanoke and we're going to, we're going to help people and we're going to treat them with first aid. And of course at the time, everybody was like laughing at him, right? Like what, what do you need a rescue squad for? We've got a doctor, we've got all of this stuff. So funding was almost impossible. So he was trying to get funding like the city of Roanoke to actually give them equipment and pay for stuff. And they wouldn't listen to him. They would ignore him. Mm. Kind of sounds like a trend, <laughs> I was, right? <laughs> I was going to say. So, Preach it, brother. So in 1929, a year after he formed this team, he called all of the officials in Roanoke out to, the, out to a lake and then took a 250-pound dummy uh, and threw it in the lake out of a boat and then came to the land and said, okay, go get the person. And the officials are like, what are you like? What are you talking about? So then his team responds and he had trained them because he was always interested in water rescue from the time he was nine years old. He trained them. So they actually go in and in a matter of minutes rescued this 250 pound dummy in front of all of the town officials. And it had such a profound impact on the officials that they instantly said all of them said that they would actually fund his rescue squad. And later that year, one of the local funeral homes actually donated a, a, a vehicle, which would become the first ambulance known oh, in history. First ambulance. Right. Yeah. And you know what, honestly, a lot of starting off up until the sixties and beyond mm-hmm. many, many, many of the private ambulance companies were also hearse and funeral homes. And the reason was because the expectation was when the vehicle came, right, they were going one way, one place or the other. They were either going to the funeral home or they were going to the hospital. And more often than not, when the ambulance got there, it was really to say, like, you know, Pronounce. okay, they're dead, yeah. right? We're, we're calling them, so we're going to take them to the funeral home instead. But that really followed up until pretty much the 60s and uh and 70s when you know different shows started popping up like emergency and you know other things like that that really emphasized hey this is you know this is an important thing this is what we need to do and um so in 1966 the national traffic uh and motor safety act was passed and in that roanoke and mr wise had actually petitioned um, that legislation to include uh, the description that it was the responsibility of towns to respond to traffic incidents. And because of that, in preparation, they said, you know what, we, we need to have a team, right? It's not just the fire department. We've got to have a team of people that can respond to rescue type incidents. So that pushed, basically pushed a wave through the country of rescue squads and ambulances as we know it today. But uh, Mr. Wise passed away in 1985. Uh, he was 85 years old. And, uh, you know, I can't help but think that, you know, for, for those of you that have heard my story uh, before uh, in different different ways. Like we have recordings out there, you know, I really got into public safety when I was about 11 or 12 because of an incident that happened to me. And that's, you know, that stayed with me and that impacted me. And so, you know, I think about this gentleman and I think, you know, how many times would he have thought this is a waste of time because nobody's paying attention. Nobody's listening to me yet. He literally changed the course of us history by just being emphasized. And this is what he said later on when they interviewed him. He said, I vowed that never again would I watch a man die when he could have been saved if only those around him knew how. Oh, man. So, <laughs> I mean, what an amazing testimony, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that, I, see, I see a sticker going up in safety offices all over the country right there. 
Well, you know, well, but a lot of us do that. No James kidding. would talk about that. <laughs> and I had a sister that had cerebral palsy when I was a kid and I watched my parents do CPR and I went to these CP centers that you don't see anymore. And I saw kids with right. Down syndrome and, and kids with, we were just starting to see uh, severe autism in the, in the early eighties where it was becoming more and more prevalent. And I remember those things and like seeing my parents basically be like homespun EMTs. And so sure. James, to your point, you know, I've never been that guy that stood on the sidelines. And I think it was a huge impact was because of my sister, because I saw how many times my parents literally saved her life. She would stop breathing and they would resuscitate her. So uh, God works all things to the good of those who are called according to his <laughs> will. It's amazing. And now I'm cool surprised story. I didn't, uh, I wasn't beat to this by Paul, but I'm going to chime in with, and Please. now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a copyright somewhere with Paul Harvey, and I'm sure he's smiling down from heaven and, and you know, chuckling. But so I apologize mm. if we exceeded our copyrights on this broadcast, but no, but I, I want to stop for just a moment. I'm, I'm going to be funny, but I, I'm really not. I mean, uh, you know, this week in church safety history, there may actually become something like that at some point because, sure. you know, pe people are laying foundations. I mean, how many years ago were we talking guys about church safety has to mature and church safety has to become more professional. And, and there was, there's going to come a day when there's a church safety curriculum and Oh wait, now there is one and you can go to college and have a degree. So it's, it's going to mature. And someday people that we know are going to be having these conversations about the things that we're experiencing now. Definitely. And I, I mean, I just go back to the practical point of, you know, how often do we do we talk to churches that say, you know, I've tried to talk to my church leadership and they're, they keep saying no, the answer is no, the answer is no. Yeah. And just because you get a no doesn't mean it's a no. But, yeah. you know, you need to obviously you need to work with your church and your your church leadership. But even if they said no, that doesn't mean that you can't go help somebody if they need help. I mean, I, I watched a video this week of an officer uh, that stopped someone at a traffic stop and the guy was twice his size, got belligerent and started fighting him. And a citizen happened to be behind and jumps out and, and the guy, the citizen got clocked in the head and he's standing there bleeding, but he's helping the officer actually get the handcuffs on and, and get this guy on the ground. I love it. And, you know, to me, it's, it's just that if, if we don't do something, who, who will do anything? You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to be the person that's standing by the, the bank of the river and just watching something happen. I, I can't, I couldn't live with myself. And no. I think even if we, even if we don't have a team, if you're a church and you're listening and you're like, well, I don't have a team or my team just started off, you know, just being the one to go assess the scene and dial 911 is doing something. And you can always do something. There's always something, some way that you can step in and help. And um, even if it's even if it's not welcome, you can still go in and, you know, and offer to help and and, you know, do the best you can with that situation and, and do that. So even just the assessment at the scene, because I want I want to take a moment. I know this isn't yeah. exactly where we're going, but I want to riff <laughs> on this. I want to riff on this for a moment. And then, Mike, I want you to unpack behind me. Um, we, we all have our little sayings, guys, those of you who are playing the the home game. Um, so this is this is a big deal. Um, James, you know, the story, Mike, I think, you know, a little bit about it. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was with an officer. And the thing that saved a woman's life during a medical call was rolling her over. That's what saved her life. And the officer I was with beat the ambulance by eight minutes. Uh, she would be either dead or brain dead, most likely, without what he did. And so, James, to your point, maybe just giving a good assessment at the scene, the faster you call for an ambulance, Sure. the faster you get there seconds by lives. And so we can't sell ourselves short with that. And, and James, you, you got to start in your security team. And then I think maybe this will launch into kind of what we're talking about tonight, but you got to start into your armed security team by providing medical. 
Sure. And you, you got to find a place to start and jump in. And honestly, I probably was not mature enough. What 12 years ago when I was getting into the church safety thing, if they would have said, if they would have said to me, well, you can't have a security team, but you could have a medical team. I'd have been like, yeah, no, because my idea of church security was, well, I got a gun and my wife's a nurse. So we're good. That was where I was at. So mm -hmm. Mike. Yeah, I think it, it comes back to, I mean, the story that you just shared, James is, is really uh, a case of he, he, he saw something, he had vision and we'll talk about vision later. Mm -hmm. But I think beyond that is he found a way to inspire the leaders and then he found when he couldn't just inspire them that that wasn't good enough to convince them to fund mm -hmm. it, he influenced them. And once he was able to do both, he was finally able to make an impact. I would say that's pretty close to what we want to talk about tonight. <laughs> if only someone codified that into a book, quick. If only we planned that. It was just, I, I didn't even know what story was coming up. But uh, right. Was, right here, right here. Right. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so uh, real quick, I'm going to jump in here and, and just kind of comment and then I'll throw it over to Mike and he, he can, he can get us rolling. But, um, we're, for those of you that don't have the video picture and you're listening to us on a podcast, uh, we do have our first book in the church, uh, ministry life cycle series, which is called inspire influence and impact. And so we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit tonight. And, um, you know, when we, when Mike and I wrote this, it, it was actually a lot of fun. Um, most of the projects that we work together on are fun and I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> They're not stressful at all. <laughs> right. So um, we literally, at what point does your nose start? No, 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 no. It's, it's good fun. We always, it wasn't a hair you know, pulling out experience. It was, yeah, it was good. yeah. I mean, we, we have jam sessions and, and mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I'm like, that makes no sense, Mike. We're not going to put that in. And and then, you know, his his comments of if you don't put that in, I'm going to come up to Ohio and stab you. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I can totally see that happening <laughs> more, more like the hey, we thought we finished a chapter and I come back around with. But wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's Mike. In all fairness, Mike is the Billy Mays because I'm like, hey, I'm done with this chapter here. We're done, done, done. No more. Stop. No, I got and more. he'll be like, but wait, there's more. <laughs> so anyhow, a few times. but I, I started off the book and, and a lot of times people ask me the question. I, I use a narrative to get the book started about a story that happened that really did happen in our church. And uh, a lot of times people ask me if that if that wasn't, you know, uh, if it was something that I made up. And I can assure you that I did not make up the story in the first chapter that legitimately happened in my church and really kind of solidified having a church safety team. Um, and the value of it, um, because it presented a, a unique situation. I'm not going to go into that tonight because I want you to read the book. <laughs> yep. But it was a pretty hair-raising experience the, the day of. To you of the book. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Let, no, I'm joking. No. Okay, so uh, I'm going to throw it over to to Mike, and we can we can start on on uh, really on the inspire piece of it. Well, for those in TV land first, I think uh, if I can get it to show to the camera correctly, there we go. The uh, You may have the first edition. This came out as Engage, Train, and Retain. That was the original working title that we had to it as it first got published. Uh, so that is the same book. Um, if you want to go buy another copy, by all means, but it's just the cover that's fully changed. We haven't uh, done a whole lot of change from that, but Inspire, Influence, and Impact is, of course, uh, the title of that book. Um, but yeah, let's diving in. If we if we start with why did we name it that? Well, part of it is that was a formula that essentially was part of our our identity as the church safety guys. We've you've seen that uh, both in the background of of our show at times. You've seen it on our website. We've talked about it uh, multiple times before it became the working title for the book. Mm -hmm. But if we look at what those words truly mean, why don't we start by unpacking inspire? So. Webster's uh, basically says inspire is to spur on, impel, motivate, and it, it exert an animating, enlivening, or exhilarating influence on. 
So that's what that's what the definition of it is. So you're really kind of doing like what James illustrated in that story and you're creating that motivation. You're creating that um, you're animating or you're kind of enlivening it with with the actual motion that he did of throwing something in the water. Mm. You're creating a reason to, or compelling people to act in some way. For sure. And I think honestly, when we, when we talk about inspiring, it's, there's very much, um, you know, we, we use the term loosely, but there's different, there's a broad application here. So not only can you talk about it in reference to in a, in a church safety environment, the leadership of the church, but you can use it, um, obviously, and you want to use it with your team because it's, it really is about, um, making sure that the team understands and uh, can catch the mission or the vision of the church. You know, you, you've heard, I'm sure you've heard me say that multiple times and seen different posts and stuff like that. But if the team doesn't understand the, the purpose of the church and the mission of the church or the vision of the church, then really uh, it's, it, it's going to end up the team, the safety team in your church is going to end up being just a, a security guard. There's, right. there's no, there's no engagement. There's no ability to interact in a positive biblical fashion because there's a certain disconnect. And and we've, I've, I've seen that before with different churches where, you know, it's like, okay, we have a security team. They do the, their thing and they stay over there that's not how it runs. That's not how you're embracing the mission of the church. You embrace the mission of the church by saying we have a safety or security team. They're involved with everything. They help with everything. That's a process that doesn't happen overnight. Just like we, we mentioned, but all of us, you know, don't um, there's a, and I'm forgetting the reference at the moment, but there's a, a scripture verse that says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And sometimes we've referenced that in the past too. All it takes is one person to go and say, maybe to the church leadership, if you don't have a team say, you know what, we really need to have some type of way to mitigate disasters and things that happen that aren't planned in our church. And it doesn't have to be like, it, it doesn't have to be about firearms. It doesn't have to be about um, anything else, but it, just a simple conversation to say, you know what, what would we do if the fire alarm went off? How would we handle that? How would we handle a fire in the kids area? How would we handle someone, a disgruntled yep. family coming in, a, a disgruntled separated dad coming in, trying to get the, the child? Those are simple questions that have nothing to do with firearms or, or anything else. Yep. And I, I think if we, if we ask the right question then I think that ties into um, inspire, which is giving someone an idea, right? And, and helping them understand and see the importance of that. So Mike, you were going to. Yeah, I think right within that, I think we have a duty to do three things, consume, interpret, and translate. And mm -hmm. really what that means is we have to identify what that vision and mission is of the church that James kind of referred to before but we have to fully consume it. Uh, we have to internalize it ourselves as leaders of a team. Then we have to interpret what it means for us as individuals. And what does it mean for the church? And what does it mean for our team? Truly understand and consume that. Once we've done that, we can then translate that vision and mission into a vision and mission for your team. And so that, that vision that you're casting at that point, you're kind of saying, this is what I see our role as part of the ministry, our role as part of the church, this is how we're helping fulfill that bigger mission. Mm -hmm. Our duty is to do this. So now you go through that process, but you're identifying your needs, you're identifying objectives, goals, strategies, measures. And we talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, we talk about it in the book as well, but uh, it's it's something there where you're kind of identifying where do you want to go for, for the year as a team or where are you going if you're just starting? Maybe it's mid-year. Or where are you going if you're rebooting? You're just coming back from, you know, being shut down or whatever it might be, and you're you're trying to get the thing rolling again. All of those actions kind of come in together. But again, we have to 
understand, consume, and and then translate that back to our team. Sure. Paul, do you wanted to add something? Yeah, I was just thinking about the fact. I, I wrote some <laughs> notes off to the side here. So without love, we're only a resounding gong. Um, and this is something we've talked about since day one. And it comes back to that ministry heart. If we don't have a heart of ministry, then we're making a mistake. And then secondly, we have to gut check ourselves and ask the tough question is what we're doing as church safety. Are we helping or hampering the church's mission and the, the mission of Christ's church here on earth is to reach the lost. We're to go into the world baptizing right. in, in the name of the father. And, you know, and we all know the passage. And so, if we're not doing that, then what we're doing is making a mistake. If we're making it harder for the lost to get in the door rather than looking for the threat, but through the matrix of the, the heart of ministry. So yeah, that's huge. For sure. I don't know. I mean, honestly, and that's, you know, one of the, one of the questions that popped up in the, in, in our main group, the church safety and security group on Facebook, um, just a little while ago, actually, when we were starting was how do you handle, uh, individuals that come to your church that are, that are in need of something or requesting something. And, you know, maybe like a homeless person, at what point do you balance that out? I, I think there's a balance with everything to, to Paul's point. I think we've had individuals come to our church that have literally said, if you don't give me cash right now, I will start, you know, I will call down a hex and a, and a, a war on your church and on your building. And, um, you know, that's that's really not the, the point of saying, OK, you know what we have? We have a process, right? We have a way to help someone. And at some point, it's not through threatening. It's not through, you know, intimidation. It's through the love of Christ. We're going to help you if you choose to refuse that help because you want a certain type of help when, you know, we're we're trying to orchestrate. Hey, what are yep. you doing for for house, for food, for clothing, for your kids, all of this stuff? then that's kind of the point where we say, you know what, this probably isn't the right situation because this is how we help people. And this is how we've had success helping people. And well, so sometimes you know, love times, says no. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the way it is. I, I mean, if someone gets in my face and says, give me money now, <laughs> I have this experience with my children. No. I was, was going to crack a joke and go, ah, you have teenagers. <laughs> well, I do, but at the same time, I, you know, it is what it is. Mike, I'll throw it over to yeah. you. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it, it, Paul brought up the, the kind of the mindset of ministry and the heart of ministry and so forth. I think also we want to make sure is that when we're tasked with such a hard and heavy lift, as in understanding and consuming the mission and vision of our pastors, our leaders, and the church, and we're trying to translate that and do that for our team, that's a heavy weight. That can be a burden, that can be, but it's a heavy piece of responsibility. It's a heavy lift. But we have to wade into that again with that, not only the right mindset, but we have to have humility in that, in that circumstance. It's it, we have to also make sure that we have kind of a heart of gratitude that, you know what, uh, uh, we're in a position because we're allowed to be in that position because we've been asked to be in that position. Um, and that that requires gratitude as well. And we have to have gratitude because we actually have a team to lead in most cases. Now, granted, I know some of you guys out there, you may be a one person team. And you know what? We, we pray for you each and every week that your team will continue to foster and grow. Uh, sure. But we understand that 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 happens. Uh, so again, humility, gratitude, mindset of ministry are really foundational elements to really starting to have that ability to truly inspire and cast that vision and really move into kind of uh, having that foundation by which to build your team. So one more piece there is that uh, once you've actually cast that vision, you need to have the ability to kind of Go out and what I call the ABCD, okay? Um, it is attract, buoy, and kind of rein them in or co uh, collect them, if you will, connect to them, and then disciple them. That is really what we call engage. And that that is you're engaging your team, you're discipling your team, and you're, you're looking out to them and saying, 
you know what, I, I have needs as a team. That may be from the point that you already have a team member. It may be from the point of, hey, I need team members. Mm-hmm. I need to figure out how I can recruit people to join this team. How, sure. What are those needs? What's What makes up the, the characteristics and traits of the right person? Uh, well, we talked about it before. The same thing that you need to, to get started, humility, gratitude, mindset of ministry. That's the type of person you're recruiting. You can train tactics and you can train response and positional authority and all sorts of different SOPs all day long. You can't change their character. You can't change their heart and know that they're there for the right reasons. That's another one you could write on the wall. For sure. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Did you say that under your breath or was it out loud? Because <laughs> no, I, you know, we all, we all believe that. Right. And, and some, not too long ago, I had an individual kind of argue that point with me and say, well, I can't train because somebody, you know, maybe somebody, um, isn't as quick on the draw or maybe they're not as quick tactically or, or maybe they're physically not able to do that. And, and here's the thing people can serve, right? So, you know what, there's so many things it doesn't matter to me, you know, it doesn't matter to me if someone's sitting down and serving as long as they're aware and they're cognizant of what's going on. To me, that's fine. They're serving. If people are passionate about helping, you can be creative and think of a way for them to jump in and be able to serve. It's not necessarily all about the opportunity to um, look good and be able to move down a hall and clear a hall you know, the body of Christ is, is composed of what we're not. Yeah. Yeah. You got, I mean, you guys know the verse I'm going to glorious purposes, ignoble ignoble purposes. Exactly. We're not all hands. We're not all feet. Even, even the apostle Paul said that we each have our own special separate purpose. And if God has placed on someone's heart, the passion to serve in that capacity, don't dismiss that. Look for an opportunity in a way that they can continue to serve that it benefits the team and is based on the humility, the ministry mindset, and and the gratitude. That falls into the, the servant leadership model for, for leadership. And we may or may not have resources on that as well i was watching mike reach for it well and you know kids it's amazing we've talked about this in other episodes but teenage boys in particular can become extremely disenfranchised with church um to use a a nice four dollar word because they are they're looking for meaning and purpose and they want to be able to say i'm a man i made a difference i'm important i have value i'm doing something and to protect is one of the strongest desires that God put in a man's heart. And so I remember having teenage boys, we've talked about this in past episodes that we would hand them a radio and I didn't have enough people. Now they weren't carrying guns and, and clearing the sanctuary. They weren't training with us like that, but I could give them a radio. And when a kid tried to sneak over the tracks behind the church or when when the the game of touch football got a little too physical, I could I could know immediately they helped with a lot of little things like that. They were extra eyes and ears and it, and it made them feel needed. And so a guy who might be uh, truly in bad physical condition uh, can be an excellent set of eyes and ears. Um, Maybe a lady with some mobility issues can run a set of cameras and, and they could literally save the day because forewarned is forearmed. And so the people with the good legs are moving around to interdict the threat and you've got somebody dispatching that's bringing the help. So, so yes, absolutely. Everybody can serve somehow. It's giving them purpose. I think at the end of the day for folks like that, they may have served in many other capacities in their years. And now they feel like, Hey, I still want to do something. I still want to give back, but I don't know where to contribute. And they may have had three or four other ministries, not just safety and security, that might have just felt like, I don't know how to use this person. And the, right. the real catch is, is that it's our job to understand that, to say, sometimes it may truly be that it's not on our team. It may be, hey, let's get you plugged in over here. But you got to work with your leaders and things like that. But you also have to understand that sometimes there's, it's, we have a duty to then actually make that happen within our team, to Paul's point. But I think because it's our teams are made up of 
people of all different walks of life, all different skill sets, all different abilities, we have a duty to then to try to relate to them in any way we can. So that's if they're younger, that's if they're older, that's if they're more mobile, that's if they're less. Amen. We have to find a way to relate to them. We have to have empathy and listen to them and understand, hey, they're people too. And before they're there serving a post, before they're there responding yes. to a medical incident, they're people believers, worshiping the same God, going to the same church, serving on the same ministry, that's what we should be relating to first and foremost. So we're discipling them and we're sowing into their faith as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, it's kind of the opposite of the book, but I was thinking the other day about we're going to enter into an era where we are going to retire people out of church safety and whether they age out or they just say, you know, James, Mike, I've, I've been at the pump for a long time, and I think it's time for some young buck to take the handles and keep pumping. Instead of being angry with that person, and like in my church, we've got venue hosts, and they've got all these cool hip names for things that people have done in church forever. But you've got like a people that run the cafe or their greeters or whatever. Mm -hmm. That person who you have hopefully taught all of these sheepdog skills just became a free set of eyes and ears Mm -hmm. that can yeah. turn to you and say, uh, James, Mike, that guy's a firm DLR. And yep. I'm pretty sure that's a kitchen knife wedged in his waistband. Yep. And so now you've got in your cafe team on your, with your, with your, uh, cleanup crew, with your, with whatever, you've got sets of eyes and ears that are trained Absolutely. and that doesn't just die. So I think that sometimes we look at this backwards and I don't mean us as the three of us. I just mean as people doing church safety, we can look at it backwards instead of going, oh, cool. Now I have somebody serving communion who knows how to ID a DLR. Sure. So we need to we need to take a quick break. And then when we come back, uh, don't go anywhere. We will actually be right back with you and we'll talk about influence and impact. So stay with us. Don't go away. We'll be right back. With over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance & Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance & Associates, your partner in service. We all deal with stress on a daily basis. When not properly managed, we can face burnout, mental, physical, and spiritual burnout. It can be detrimental to serving in church safety and security, as well as other ministries and affect all areas of life. Coming Back brings biblical guidance for such a dilemma. In the book, Coming Back, Best-selling author James McGarvey takes a biblical-based approach to address and prevent ministry burnout. As you read Coming Back, you will easily relate to James's shared experiences, be inspired by scripture, and grow through the practical and applicable instruction found in this much-needed book. This encouraging read will affect you and your team in a positive way to continue the path of ministry with an energized and encouraged spirit. Through biblical and practical knowledge and experience, James shows that it is all about coming back to focus on what matters, coming back to the cross. When you let Checker take care of background checks, you get more time to focus on your ministry. Over 8,000 churches and faith-based communities across the United States use Checker. Checker lets you quickly and easily screen new volunteers, so you'll spend less time on paperwork and administrative tasks. Our fast, accurate background checks reduce turnaround time per applicant by 72% on average. Checker partners with church management systems, including Tithely, Planning Center, Rock RMS, PushPay, and Full Method, so it's easy to integrate into systems you're already using. Trust Checker for faster, easier, more reliable background checks, so you can focus on what brings you all together. To learn more, visit www.checker.com. 
com slash church. The Church Safety Guys help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over North America through our broadcasts, online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and the all-new Church Security app. Download it today. Help us continue to reach churches by supporting our sponsors, purchasing our resources, and consider becoming a ministry partner by making a monthly or one-time donation. Remember to like, subscribe, and share this broadcast with your team. And now, back to the broadcast. All right, so welcome back to the Church Safety and Security broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. Uh, If you just joined us, I'm James, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Paul and Mike tonight. We are talking about inspire, influence, and impact uh, your team. And uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike is pointing to our resource, which is available on Amazon.com and also available on Audible. Uh, and uh, I believe it's available on the Kindle uh, ebook store as well. So you have many different formats, and uh, we would we would be honored for you to check that out. But as always, you can visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com. And uh, there's some great resources on there. And uh, you can download our resources and uh, actually uh, have them for right at, right at the tip of your, your hands for your phone on the church security app, which was the, the first church security app in the industry. And uh, Paul, Paul was actually just reminding me something, which is true. Yes, our resources were the first church security safety topic on Audible. So um, as far as having something to listen listen to on your long drives, you can. It's not us, thankfully. <laughs> not us talking. Not yeah, you're not listening to us recording. And other but... news, 13 people were bored to death today listening to Paul talk <laughs> on an Audible book. <laughs> However, if you are looking for a particular topic and you're wondering, did those guys ever, ever talk about this previously? And I can announce that um, either either today or last week was actually our hundredth episode. So, woo. Um, but yes, you can go to our YouTube channel and, uh, click on, you know, just type in church safety guys. Our channel will pop up and on the spyglass, just type in a particular topic. And then chances are, we've probably talked about it in something of those 100 episodes at some point in time. <laughs> well, and, and for those of you who are listening to this at any time, there are some amazing interviews, one of these night streams, we need to do like our top five favorite interviews and then include sure. links to them because, and you know, Mike, we've all had those moments where we've had that aha gold nugget moment. Um, you know, Stephen Williford, uh, Frank, Frank Pomeroy, right. we've had those moments where I'm not the same person that I was before we interviewed them. And, you know, and I love the fact that people can go back. We were talking about that a few days ago. People can go back and 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 be changed by those things. So if you are listening to our more current stuff, um, it may not be as polished. In some of those earlier episodes, I was talking this way and typing responses <laughs> to people this way. We've kind of polished a bit, but the content is still there. And some of the topics we covered are life-changing. For sure. I, you know, honestly, I think I would have a hard time going back and probably picking a favorite um, yeah. because, you know, last year we had, well, and even the year before, I mean, we've had folks on that, you know, Colonel Grossman, Carl yep. Chin, Jimmy Meeks, um, yep. those those guys, pioneers of church safety and security. We've had, yep. um, you know, some of the more more famous folks on Masada Ayub came on, yep. uh, John Korea. Um, and more, more famous in our neck of the woods, John Riley and, and Matt Coombs. I almost said it wrong. I corrected myself. Matt, please do not go to Ohio and stab James. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not going to say Simon's last name. (laughs) So, but yeah, definitely, um, go back and, and check some, check some of those earlier episodes out. And if you, if you are on a long car trip and you want 13 hours of, of just Paul, 
Paul and his, his punny jokes, you're welcome to, to dive into that. Those are actually illegal in 13 states now, so be careful. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't have a follow for that. So let's jump back into the, the influence aspect, and I'll for that, I'll turn it over to Mike. <laughs> so jumping into influence, uh, we, of course, spent the most time on Inspire because it's the foundation and you need to have a solid foundation before you move forward. So we're going to burn through influence and impact a little bit quicker. These do uh, kind of unpack a little bit more about the, the rest of the, the six steps of the ministry life cycle that we talk about in the book, Inspire, Influence, Impact. But talking about influence, uh, Webster's uh, details it this way, the power to change or affect someone or something, the power to cause changes without directly forcing them to happen. So once we've inspired our teams, we're now kind of have that opportunity and the ability and really responsibility to influence your team in the right way. Okay, we've inspired them, we've recruited them, we've brought them in. Now you got a bunch of folks willing to serve, willing to learn, willing to do something. We need to influence them to make sure they're doing it the right way and for the right reasons. So we are we have a charge then to equip them. And equipping them starts with the mindset we talked about. Equipping them it adds skills, and it can be positional or routines, SOPs. Um, it can be specific things about if this happens, James talked about it earlier, this is what we would do. And those are good ways to have those conversations on a regular basis. But we also have a charge to encourage them. Doing this job, serving in this capacity can sometimes be a burden, can sometimes be a weight, and can and certain people may not have the ability to kind of carry that. The mental load related to the responsibility to respond, to care for someone's life, to take a life potentially in, in the most extreme of circumstances. Maybe it's 1%, but it does have to cross your mind if it ever is actually going to happen. So we, we have a duty to encourage our team members on a continual basis. And finally, within that, we have a charge to develop and coach them. So that can be more detailed, specific or topical type trainings to respond to certain types of scenarios. Because at the end of the day, your first job is to make sure, can they stand a post? Can they notice things? Can they ask questions? Can they pray with somebody? Everything beyond that is a bonus. Okay, honestly, you can train them to every type of response, but you need to have basics. You need to have a foundation by which to build on. And so that's our spot where we're, we're tasked with influencing them. We need to equip and train them with the right things so that they can actually operate well in our ministries. Nice. You're on mute, James. You're still on mute, James. <laughs> I am sorry. Double muted. <laughs> Double muted. Uh, we'll jump into impact here for sake of time. But one thing I wanted to say real quick about influence is that you never, you never know how much of an influence you will have on someone. Right. Mm -hmm. And we, we talked about that and, and kind of mentioned that earlier with the, the Julian wise story, you never know what type of action can impact and, and influence someone together. And, you know, we've had, we've had folks. And one of the, one of the biggest blessings to me is, you know, I've been doing uh, church safety and security at my church now for almost 15 years. And in that time, what's interesting to me is that we've, we have church members that have been there that long. And what's a, what's the biggest blessing is when they come up to me, you know, now X number of years later, and they say, you know what, at first, I thought this was the most ridiculous idea, but you have, you know, you've changed my mind. You've, you've been a blessing to me and my family because you were watching when I've come and been able to worship. So thank you. Thank and, you. you know, way, way back in a long time ago, I think it was back in the nineties. Um, the, there was a, a song that uh, pop pop Christian song, and I forget the artist, but it was uh, thank you for giving to the Lord. And yep. Yep. Um, I mean, you guys, you know the song I'm talking about, but I, I honestly, it I holds. imagine that. And to me, you know, when you have that opportunity, that just reinforces the influence. So just because you're you're serving and you're doing something doesn't mean that it's going unnoticed. 
and it's not, uh, that's right. Ray bolts. Um, it's not going unnoticed. It is going on. It is going noticed. Someone is noticing you are having an, an influence in someone's day-to-day -day lives and you might not be blessed today for it, but there is a blessing for that. So, um, Mike, go ahead and jump into, to the last one. Sure. So once we've had that opportunity to both create that inspiration to motivate people, to recruit the right people, to identify those needs, cast vision. And once we've actually equipped and trained them, now that's a point where we can start to have a true impact. And you need to have the team to kind of have that impact. So that requires retaining those the talent that you have on that team. That requires keeping them motivated and recognizing their contribution. Circle back to gratitude. You're needing to kind of have that gratitude for that. So impact is a powerful, significant, or major influence or effect. So again, we're finally having that major effect, but you only do so if you can finally get out of your own way, finally get out of only training and recruiting. If all you're doing right. is training and recruiting, training and recruiting it, you never actually get to kind of a, a performing team, if you will. That's where you can truly enhance and continue to invest in uh, more advanced training, more advanced skill, and and really kind of unified training where it's not individual uh, handling of yourself, but it's now responding as a team. What does that look like when you work in pairs, in threes? What, mm -hmm. what does that do? So when we lend our time to something, it must have purpose. So we're called to really shine a light on that purpose. We're called to create a positive outcome. So even a negative situation, like a having to respond to something, we need to make sure that we're spinning in the right way to have a positive outcome with our team. We don't want them walking away with a negative thought. Yes, maybe EMS had to come. Okay, that was the natural progression. But guess what? We were immediate responders. We took care of the situation until they arrived. We received them. We brought them through the parking lot quicker. We got them to the person and the person got the help, their need, help they needed and were able to improve. So that was truly having an impact. That's the positive outcome we're seeking regardless. And, and frankly, I, just anecdotally, impact as a word, it's really actually one of the reasons I joined these two knuckleheads above me here is, is in the idea is that really <laughs> to have an impact is... When we join teams, not just because it's it's not just about ourselves, it's mm -hmm. about the collective, it's about the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the, the serving together and doing so. When you can put your effort and your purpose together with others' purpose and it's unified and you work together towards the same common goal, you can elevate or increase your impact. Boom. Yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely, I've got something, but Paul, go ahead. Well, so let's say that you, you respond to a medical event and the person still dies. I had a conversation with a police officer who his dad fought his way out of the hospital and on the way home died from a massive heart attack. And he was just extremely tore up. And I said, okay, let's put a different perspective on this. Your dad wanted out of the hospital. He fought his way free from the hospital. On the way home from the hospital, that was all he had left. He was a warrior to the end. And his last moments were spent with you. Um, you weren't supposed to uh, save him. That was above your pay grade. And he's like, yep. And I said, so don't beat yourself up about it. I said, you didn't fail. Did your dad want to get out of the hospital? Yes. Was he, is he now with the Lord? Yes. Does it hurt? Yes. But what you said, Mike, really resonated with me because not everything that we do is going to be a success, but guess what we didn't do? We didn't stand idly by. We got EMS there. And I commented in a video that I posted earlier today, and I've said it a lot, is I will do everything in my power to keep you alive or to resuscitate you if at all possible. But if you are gone, that is above my pay grade. You are now with the Lord. And not every time that we do something as a church safety team is it going to be a success. We can learn from it, but sometimes it's just, hey, we did everything in our power, humanly possible, to make sure that that guy, that gal was able to survive. He so, jumped in the river and actually rescued that 250-pound dummy. No, I resent being called he... a 250-pound dummy. I'm just saying, <laughs> James. I, I think I think that's the key, and I mean, I'd love to talk about this for you know another hour, and we're kind mm -hmm. of out of time. But I think it's in in this in this um, 
in this, I'm going to say industry for lack of a better word at the moment, but in this area, church safety, public safety, if you've been in public safety, you know how discouraging it can be on a regular basis to think that what you're doing has no value. And in, in reality to me, I mean, I started in, in fire and EMS and it took a long time for me to get to that point where individual, an individual important in my life came to me and said, look, what you're doing, no one else is doing that. What you're doing is valuable and it makes an impact and it makes a positive impact. That mm -hmm. doesn't mean that every day, everything is going to be perfect and it's going to be great and everything goes well. You know, we, we joke around in church safety. We joke around about if it's a quiet day, you know, it's a good day because nothing yeah. happened, but that doesn't mean that, um, it doesn't mean that people are ungrateful. It doesn't mean that we can't do things. We can't train and, and everything else. What it means is we have to be prepared in our mind for addressing that. Um, one of our listeners said a, a, the pendulum swinging back and forth. That's absolutely right. Like we have to have the mental encouragement and stability to be able to handle up the ups and downs of you know, today, guess what? All we get to do to, to have an impact. Are you having an impact? Absolutely. But today, get guess what we get to do? We get to pray with this person because they walk by you and the Holy Spirit told you this person really needs prayer. And if you listen, yep. you will know that person in their countenance, etc. They really need prayer. So mm -hmm. the reality is, is it still making an impact? Absolutely. It's making an impact because you know what, if you turn it around and you focus on the ministry mindset that, that Mike talked about earlier, you're supporting the mission of the church. You're supporting the vision of the church. You are making a difference in your community. You are pouring into the lives of the people, whether they're serving in another capacity at your church or not, you are available and you are making an impact and a difference for those people to be encouraged for the purpose of the church to be fulfilled and the purpose of Christ to be fulfilled. So, um, you know, again, I, I mean, we could go, we could go on and on, but for sake of time, um, I, I you know, I'm going to throw it over to Paul and you can, you can pray us out, sir. <laughs> yeah. Well, the scripture comes to mind. We do not grieve like those who have no hope. And, I literally was with a family that the, the staff at the hospital came out and said, you guys are church people, aren't you? Because we mm -hmm. saw the way you handled the death of the patriarch of your family. That is, <laughs> we're all things to all people by which some might be saved. So yeah. Amen. Sure. Well, any, any other follows Absolutely. before I pray us out? Anything we'll leave Mike? it for a different night. I like yep. it. <laughs> All right. How do we follow that? Um, <laughs> dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I don't have words. I thank you for the opportunity to reach people about how to protect our, our churches, Lord God, the flock with that heart that's ministry focused, Lord God. It's so easy to lose that focus. And Lord God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for, for books that can reach people and, and broadcasts and podcasts and live episodes and YouTube videos, Lord God, and, and books and apps and everything. I thank you for all of these opportunities, Lord God, that however a person is able to receive it and retain it, Lord God, there's an opportunity. And Lord God, I've had conversations with people today that have blessed that have blessed me to know that they were influenced uh, by things we've said. Lord God, I thank you for that ministry. I thank you for that opportunity. I ask that this, as always, would reach the right ears, that you would guide, bless, and protect uh, Mike and James, Lord God, as they do this. And I, I lift up tonight to you in your son Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, by the way, this is the 100th episode. I looked it up. <laughs> so nice. uh, we are we are very grateful for the opportunity to to do this ministry, and certainly blessed by by your feedback. So, um, if if it has been a blessing to you in the last two mm -hmm. years, and and you've enjoyed those 100 episodes, definitely reach out. Let us know. Message us. Um, next week, we will actually be talking about a really, really good topic, uh, which is being ministry minded with security concerns. And I wanted to throw that out there because a lot of times it's hard to do everything that we talked about, right, to, to serve and be ministry minded. 
while we are being attentive to potential threats and security things. So um, we'll have that uh, have that on next week, and we'll be joining you live 7 p.m. Uh, Sunday Eastern Standard Time. So uh, thanks for, for hanging out with us. Again, you can visit churchsafetyguys.com for some great resources, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. God bless. Have a great night. Guys. Congrats. Thank you for joining the Church Safety and Security broadcast with the Church Safety Guys, sponsored by Checker. We hope that you found it informative, and we appreciate your feedback. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams. Join the discussion online, and for other great resources, download the Church Security app or visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com. Remember, keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.